Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, hustlers. We know that this 2024, the entrepreneurial journey is filled with challenges. An often overlooked aspect is the time-consuming task of processing payroll and managing government requirements. And did you know that the average admin spends a whopping 50 hours per month dealing with just government compliance? That's time you could be spending on growing your business, or let's be honest, taking a well-deserved break. But fear not, we got a game changer for you, introducing Sprout Solutions and their tailored solutions for MSMEs called the Payroll Starter. With Sprout Solutions Payroll Starter, you can finally reclaim your time and get your life back on track. Say goodbye to the stress of remembering tax dates or worrying about missed payroll runs. This bundle is designed to make your life easier and your business more efficient. And here's the best part. The cost starts just at 5,000 pesos per month for businesses with up to 10 employees. Yep, you heard that right. That's just 5,000 pesos per month. So why spend another minute routing in payroll paperwork when Sprout can revolutionize the way you manage your payroll and government requirements? Take the first step towards a more efficient business today. Visit sprout.ph slash payroll starter monthly 5k. If you missed that, don't worry. We have it in the description box of this episode. So click that too. And again, big shout out to Sprout Solutions because your time is too valuable to be spent on paperwork. Reclaim it with their payroll starter. Now let's begin this episode. The Hustle Share podcast is brought to you by Sendit Philippines. Sendit is the leading payment gateway in the Philippines. Allow your business to accept payments seamlessly from cards, e-wallets, retail outlets, and local banks. For more information, visit sendit.co. Also powered by PDAX. PDAX is a homegrown cryptocurrency exchange that offers the best rates among local cryptocurrency exchanges. Download the PDAX app now on the Google Play Store, App Store, or Huawei App Gallery. Start trading Bitcoin, Ethereum, and other cryptocurrencies for as low as 50 pesos by signing up on podlink.co slash hustlesharepdax. Also by Podmetrics, the easiest way to monetize your podcast. Sign up now at podmetrics.co for free and use the code HUSTLESHARE. If you want to achieve something, you want to, you want to make sure that you earn it, right? And you've got to work for it. And there is no substitute None at all for hard work. You got to put in the time, right? You got to put in the time. And if you don't put in the time and it comes easily, more than likely it'll be gone easily. Welcome to Hustle Share, the podcast that features the daily grinds of unique hustlers around the world to show not our differences, but that our hustles are very much alike. Now, here is your host, Ronster Beitiong. Welcome to the latest episode of the I'll Share Podcast. We are now going to be having an amazing guy who is an heir apparent for me. Who's been in, uh, uh, if you've been watching the, you know, um, how big influential families have done amazing, an amazing job also 
passing excellence from generation to generation. This is an epitome of how entertainment and how they, uh, the ABS-CBN Corporation have managed to evolve and innovate in the right times, especially whether it's a, it's a bear market. Okay, um, have they managed to evolve? And today, we have the epitome of that because we have the head of digital of ABS-CBN Corporation, Mr. Jamie Lopez. Jamie, welcome to the show. Very much. Thanks for having me, Ron. Um, really excited to be here. Thank you. And again, um, we're finally going to me- going mainstream. Forever Capamilia. So <laughs> I always say it to anyone, anybody that I uh, meet in ABS that ABS is my hood. I grew up in the Kamuning Scout area. That's where I was born and raised. Oh. And for my heart will always be in the Scout area. So whether it's Mother Ignacia, Sergeant Erzguerra, or what's the other street? Mother, uh, I forgot the other one. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not that triangle. I will always be there. But again, Jamie, before I start, I need to ask you the million-dollar question. Jamie, what's your hustle? Yeah, so like you said, no, I am now the, uh, the head of digital for, for ABS-CBN. And um, basically, my hustle is to help our company pivot to digital, right? Um, as most people know, we have 67, 68 years in broadcast. Wow. Um, and with the invent of um, the internet and digital taking off, um, streaming platforms, um, social media, um, podcasts, all yep. of these new forms of entertainment, new forms of engaging with our consumers, reaching mm-hmm. our audiences, people sharing their views, mm-hmm. you know, just like how we've evolved from radio to TV to being in the Philippines to going yep. global. TFC, you know, this is just the next evolution in in our journey. Um, We are now trying to um, capitalize on on the technology that exists today and Uh and find new ways of engaging our audiences, reaching our capamilias, um, creating new experiences. And Uh and I think, you know, the exciting thing in digital is that there's so much to offer. Um, It has really democratized how, how entertainment is created and how it's consumed. Uh, more access to more people. Uh, more people means more ideas, more more um, creativity, um, new things, just a ton of excitement, just a ton of stuff that can be done in this space. So, you know, my part of my role is to to figure out how do we engage our capamilias in new ways? How do we find new capamilias? How do we create more experiences? I mean, whether it's digital or whether it's both physical layered with digital or it's broadcast layered with digital. So you can do combinations. You can do solo digital, solo broadcast, but you can do all these different things, um, you know, and a lot of it is unknown, uh, which is great, but um, a lot of it's exciting. You know, we have a lot of different um, um, uh, events and activations that we've been doing recently. Um, But I'm also very happy that, you know, so far we've done quite well. Uh, we, We already have the largest, YouTube channel in Southeast Asia. I think yep. our wow. I think our entertainment channel is at thirty six point four million. The last time I checked, yep, uh, subscribers. So that's that's quite big. Um, and yep. that's that's thanks uh, to Cardo. 
you know. Yeah, that's one hundred percent. Thanks, Ricardo, for being there for six years now. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's amazing. And again, and he doesn't go away anytime soon. <laughs> yep, he will never die. Right there, you go. Yep, yep. Change if it's inevitable, except Ricardo. <laughs> no, no, he'll be there. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, on top of that, you know, it's it's finding new partners, new technologies. Um, it's it's trying to change the mindset within the organization that has thought about things in one way for a long time. Um, in the past, we were, and we have been the largest media entertainment company in the Philippines, but in the digital era, uh, we're competing against Netflix. We're competing against YouTube, Google, yep. Facebook, right? We're no, we're, we're tiny compared to them. Mm-hmm. Right. So we have to reinvent ourselves, reinvent ourselves, reimagine how we do things. Um, the one great thing about ABS is that, you know, we're at the core, a content creation company. And we yes. believe and we and we strongly feel that our content can stand uh, up with all the giants, all the big boys out there. Right. right. And the Filipino talent and the Filipino creativity um, is just as good. Well, I think it's better, if not better. <laughs> Than, than others, right? So, you know, those are the things that we spend our day on. Uh, yeah. Those are the things that uh, we challenge ourselves with. Uh, those are some of the things that um, we're always going back to the drawing board and trying to figure yeah. out. That's amazing. And again, that metamorphosis, again, is just a testament to how you've also been um, uh, forward thinking. So I've seen you guys do this effort, like, though, at, at a slower scale before with, you know, Taiwan and no digital activations, but again, pandemic also have accelerated that. But before I get carried away, I need you to buckle up, my man, because we're going to have to ride the Hustle Share Time Machine. There you go. All right. Now we're all the way back because I want to understand, again, being, being uh, again, third generation, fourth generation. Is it third or fourth? Uh, fourth. Fourth generation Lopez, right? Um, there's, there's also I've I've seen studies where, uh, again, this is just seeing in the, the the how the Rothschilds and whatnot um, have always they say that it's at the third generation where things typically unravel, but it looks it doesn't look like that uh, with you guys, and it, it's amazing. And I want to understand first your etymology and your origin story and how you grew up, right? Um, Knowing that you are the son of Gabby Lopez and whatnot, what were the things that you were aware of early on? Because it's a pressure to be taking on this responsibility because you had the last name. Regardless, you know, you, you, you carry that away with you. And I've seen, I've had multiple um, guests here before that had the same pressure and they had different and profound, um, you know, reactions to it. What was that like knowing that you understood that early on? I don't know if I would say I understood it early on. No, mm-hmm. um, I think when when I finally understood what it meant, I was already maybe in high school already uh, when I fi- finally figured out or understood the the breadth of what uh, the family was into. And um, I mean, I knew early on that I was the fourth because I was named in the same uh, my the given same name. Yes. Uh, <laughs> is the Eugenio Lopez the fourth, right? So I knew there was a history to that, right? And there was a legacy to live, live up to. Uh, but I didn't really understand the true breadth or the true depth of what that all meant or what that yeah. all really amounted to until high school. And then, you know, more so in college, but um, 
and then I guess the most of it when I started working, now, especially when I came back to Manila, right? But mm. very early on, it, you know, it, it was, I mean, I guess somewhat typical, I guess, growing up, right? Um, I, I was born in the States, um, <laughs> spent about uh, pretty much all my grade school out there and then came back here to the Philippines in um, 86. Oh, wow. This is yeah. right after the revolution. Yeah. So I was born in 80, uh, came back here in 86. Um, spent all the way through high school out here, and then I went to college in the States again. Got it. With, with that transition, I also want to understand, so again, formative years, being in the States and coming back here, a lot of my former guests that, that were brought up in the States always saw going back to the Philippines in a different light, where a local Filipino would see scarcity, right? Or you know, see such a doom and gloom view a lot of people from you know uh, from from other parts of the world that come back see opportunity. When you saw that, and you know, you now understood what's at stake, and you're now coming back to to, to the states to study college. Was there a mindset already that all right, this is something I have to do to help? Because I know I'm going to come back and I'm going to have to contribute. Um, somewhat, you know. So, like very early on. I guess when I when I could already understand that I was gonna have to work, you know, and then all of that stuff. You know, my dad would always tell me that, you know, the the only thing I'm gonna give you is your education, right? Wow. So, you know, figure out your life on on what you want to do. You can work for the family. You don't have to work for the family. You can go off and do whatever you want, right? Nice. But when I went when I went to college, I wasn't even sure I would come home after college. You know, mm. I grew up in the states. I spent a lot of time there. I spent ten years there. Wow. I, um, after college. And spent a ton of time out there, and it, and it, I didn't, I wasn't one hundred percent sure, but there was always something at the back of my mind saying, you know what, you know, maybe I should come home at some point. Maybe I should, you know, do as much as I can do out here, learn what I can, and then bring that home and and really, really help the family out. You no, know, since they've helped me out all my life, so right. there was always that that mindset or always that thing at the back of my mind that I would come home at some point. But mm-hmm. and then eventually, obviously, I I did, I came home, right? But yeah, when coming home was, you know. I knew one, it was exciting because it's the Philippines and I like, I love, I loved growing up here. It was so mm-hmm. much fun. I really, I really enjoyed it. You know, mm-hmm. no COVID then. So, you know, it was a lot more fun. <laughs> than you know. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but, but yeah, you know, I mean, but I also felt that, and I also consciously knew that had I, had I made that decision to come home, yeah. it would come with so much. It wasn't just coming back to the Philippines and working. It meant, coming back to the Philippines and working for the family and doing and living up to all the things that, you know, were expected of me or unexpected of me. I mean, so there was the whole uh, pressure of, um, yes, I can imagine, you know, working for the family and then being my father's son being, I couldn't just not be successful. I had to be, I felt that I had to be successful. So yeah. Um, it was a big decision. It, it took a while for me to come around, um, to making that decision and even putting my hat in the ring because nothing's guaranteed. Um, of course. My father was very clear about that from very early on. He said, you know, just because you work for the family, that doesn't mean you're going to rise. That doesn't yeah. mean you're going to inherit. You're not going to, you're not going to inherit your position. So um, that was a mindset that I had. So I knew that if I came home, I'd really have to work. I'd really Done. have to grind, right. Or I'd really have to hustle. Yes. Hustle indeed. And I want to understand now, 
to, to prepare yourself for that, right? Um, one of the stints that you did here was Equinix. Is this in the States or is this here in the Philippines already? No, Equinix is in the States. It was my first job out of college. Okay. Now, what? Because again, before you took the jump, I'm pretty sure there's a, this is where you really honed a lot of what you, your, your expertise was. Walk us through your experience there and what are the hard and soft skills you had to build, especially at, at the States. Again, clean slate. You're, you, you were a normal dude there, right? Yeah. Um, and what were, was that like? Because it's important that you actually you know, have that, that, that training that you know how to grind, you know how to hustle without any type of you know, big expectation yet and you get comfortable in your own skin. Yeah. So, I mean, actually, I think a lot of that came even before Equinix, right? So mm. if we're taking a time machine back, you know, so like mm. even high school, every summer I had to work, um, oh. we would go to the States and okay. if I wanted an allowance, I had to work. So I got nice. jobs in, okay. um, what were these jobs? I worked, uh, one, one year I worked as, uh, a bellhop. Uh, what is a Ballet Parker in, oh, wow. in, in the, okay. the Rich Carlton in San Francisco. Nice. You know, so I parked cars and I got people's bags. You know, that's a difficult That was awesome spot. because you would get tips. <laughs> <laughs> Look at those steep hills and whatnot. I know. Oh, so, God. you know, I was always praying that the car that would come in would be automatic because I couldn't. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's scary. One false move and you're going to have. No, exactly. You know, so, yeah. you know, I don't really want to bump anybody's car going in, right? So. <laughs> exactly. Wow. Yeah, so, I mean, I, early, early on, I learned how to work. Early nice. on, I knew that, you know, um, I knew how to have to wake up early in the morning, okay. had to sacrifice, you know, and all my friends, they were out in the States having fun every summer and they would be like, hey, come out, go to the, let's go to Great America or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I got to work. You know, so wow. very early on, it was very, it was ingrained in me that, you know, you got to sacrifice. And that you got to work. So nice. I worked in all throughout college. I also worked. Um, my, again, my father said, you know, I'll pay for your education. I'll pay for your room and board. Mm. Um, but if you want to go out on the weekends or you want to have fun with your friends, you got to work. So wow. I worked two jobs in college. Mm. I worked uh, selling shoes in Macy's. And no then I way. Sold, yeah, dude. I sold shoes. Wow. I sold women's shoes for four years. Amazing. But- and then I worked and then I sold suits on weekends. So <laughs> the whole swag, the, the whole drip, thing. they call it the whole drip now. Yeah, shoes. the whole thing. I did wow. shoes and shoes and suits. All right. So that prepared me um, in having personal skills that, that humbled me tremendously. Um, a lot of humility when you're in sales, a ton of humility when you're in sales, because you got to deal with irate customers. You, and normally they're not mad at you. You just have to understand that they probably had a, had a bad day, they had a hard day, right? And Sometimes they take it out on you, so you kind of have to just deal with it, right? So it, it helped me prepare, um, you know, like my inner uh, strength, I guess, or my inner uh, patience um, in dealing with many things uh, that came my way in the future, right? So that was high school and college. And then when I got out of school um, in California, no? um, mm. because it was Silicon Valley, there was a lot of tech. So I went up nice. and I got a job in Equinix. Mm-hmm. which back then was a small data center company. Um, it had okay. maybe, maybe six or eight data centers when I joined. Okay. And then when I left about seven or eight years later, they had over a hundred, right? And what? Yeah, I do. I mean, they really, they grew. They, they, they were a real, um, like a mm-hmm. real startup tech company in the US, right? They, they right. grew tremendously. And, and I believe today they're, they're the largest data center uh, uh, company in the world right now. No? So, wow. you know, very, very interesting um, um, journey that company had. But mm. I spent many years there. 
and most people had no idea uh, who I was or what I what what family I came from, and it was wonderful, right? I mean, that was yeah. anonymous, mm-hmm. basically, right? So, except for the nighttime security guard who was Filipino, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've been living in Daily City. Yeah, about it, living right? in Daily City and everything, and he saw he saw my ID and everything, and then you know he chatted me up, and then you know I'm not gonna lie about it, right? But so right. you know it was. It was nice. So other than him, but eventually he made cuento to other people. And oh man, typical Pinoy or, as well. Yeah, typical Pinoy. It's chismes, right? So <laughs> <laughs> you know, over over the span of eight years, more more people found out. But you know, I mean, it was it was nice though. It was, yeah. it was still um, being able to um, earn what I got. I worked yeah. for. I worked. I started as a call center agent in Equinix. Wow. For three years, and then I moved into IT. Um, mm with their business development and systems testing and all of that mm-hmm. stuff. So I did a lot of grunt work early on. I can empathize a lot with that because one of my earlier hustles as well, my first job was a telemarketer. So same thing. You're trying yeah. to persuade people. You're just trying to do your grind. Most of them are angry and most of them don't want the stuff that you're trying to actually sell. But yep. you got to hit your quota, right? So <laughs> um, at the end of the day, you also learn. And then in, in, um, inevitably, you also learn the nitty-gritty through repetition. Like, oh, okay, so this is how it works. And you eventually find your way to how to convert it to convince people. And sales is one of the best jobs you can ever take as a youngin, you know, as a, yeah. as a fresh out of school, because now it re- builds grit into you. Exactly. You know, you realize that the whole the real world is it's not easy and it, they, it's a dog-eats-dog world out there, right? So No, exactly. It, it's tough. I mean... It, Early on, early experience in your youth really, really will help mold you as a person and help you build, you know, give you something to 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 draw from when you face challenges in the future, knowing that you have gone through all of that. It gives it gave me the ability to to say, you know, I've been through harder times, I've been through tougher grinds, you know, and now, you know, I just need to draw on that strength and draw on that, um, you know, that grit that got me through it. Correct. It's very formative. When you came back and um, understood now that, all right, time to leave everything behind and you start to get used to a certain flow. And then again, people here now know who you are and what you bring as well. What What is that experience like? Because it's usually, it's either, uh, again, I'm not trying to uh, p- you know put you in one box, but the, the common thing that I t- typically hear is that it's like fish out of water. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> What have I gotten myself into? Yeah. Or holy shit, this is awesome, right? What, what was yeah. that like for you? Think more fish out of water. What the hell did ah. I do? <laughs> <laughs> Can I go back? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Why would you say that? What, what was that experience like? It's you. You did EDC, and that, that's uh, a yeah. Big boy I did game. EDC. Uh, it was my first job when I got back from the states. Spent four four and a half years there. One, I didn't know anything about the business, right? I had no idea wow. what power generation was. Um, right. I had to learn all of that stuff. I mean, I had come from tech, even though my position in EDC was IT. Right. Uh, so at totally least, different. <laughs> yeah, totally different. I mean, same systems and stuff like that, but completely different use, um, mm. a completely different type of tech that you need to uh, deploy and, um, and, and develop for, for a power company versus a, a data center company. Wow. Um, but... I think the, the most difficult part about it was navigating um, being a, an employee, but yet your family owning the company that you work for, right? So that whole dynamic 
it's not easy to to navigate. It's not easy to manage. Mm. Um, a lot of people treat you differently, um, but then you also don't know whether or not they're telling you the truth or they're just telling yeah. you what you want to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was very difficult to get real feedback on performance, or it was very difficult to get feedback on an initiative that you had that did it really make sense, or are they just saying yes, yes, yes because you know your their bosses, your your family member, or whatever, right? Makes so sense. that was that was really that was a struggle early on. Mm-hmm. Um, and how did you navigate through that? Especially because I would imagine there's a sense of fear, and you know how Filipinos typically are, and I'm all, not just Filipinos, Southeast Asians. You know, when they see that there's that real sense of authority, they don't want to, you know, ruffle any feathers that will put them in trouble, right? And you're yeah. here just trying to really make a difference and put push this forward, and you want some gen genuine feedback to really get generate the right results. Yeah, so um, I made mistakes. I made a ton of them. Um, I pushed for things and projects that really actually didn't amount for anything and actually didn't work out as well as I had thought they would. Um, okay. But um, I, I, I think I did my homework. I did my work, right? So going forward after a few, after getting burnt maybe once or twice, then the next time I'd make sure I wouldn't make the same mistakes again. Uh, I do a hell of a lot more homework. I do a lot more research. I talk to more people than you would normally talk to about a project to get uh, all these different perspectives, just to make sure that uh, what you're hearing from one person is probably the same that you're going to hear from another. So it was more of making sure that um, I got more buy-in and I've got the right, um, you know, put the right business case together, put the right items together, just to make sure that, you know, I'm, and then at the end of the day, I stood up and I, and I said, I was accountable. Right. So if if I made a mistake, I owned up to it. I didn't blame other people for saying, oh, no, he said it was okay," or this person said it was fine. You know, at the end of the day, I'd I'd stand there and say, you know, I'm sorry. Uh, It it didn't work out the way I wanted to. But this is what we've learned or this is what I've learned. And, you know, this is how I'm going to go forward with it. Right. And I I think that's really important. I think um, teaching accountability and being accountable for decisions. A lot of people don't like making decisions. You know, a lot of people like to hand off decisions to somebody else. So, you know, I, I think that part of that is being able to make mistakes and learning from your mistakes and then, yep. you know, just don't do them again. Exactly. And accountability too. Well, because again, if you, if you have the balls to literally call those shots, there's a high chance that it's not going to, you know, it's not going to get a, the, the result that you want. And when, when things go awry, you also have to be the first one to take the hit. And not passively. Now let's take a first break, and when we come back, let's talk about how you then became the head of digital and uh, spearheaded this whole metamorphosis. ABS TVN. Let's talk about that more after the break. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey guys, I have a very, very exciting opportunity I want to share with you guys. If you're a B2B startup founder, listen up. Your ticket to growth is here. Introducing Impact24, the Philippines' largest B2B SaaS challenge. Calling all startups in their pre-launch, pre-seed, or seed stages. This is your chance to accelerate their growth. Submit your pitch to Impact24 and get ready for a 10-week intensive program to elevate your solution. What's in it for you? How about up to 500,000 pesos in MVP project support, exclusive credits from industry partners, personalized mentoring, and a shot to pitch? at SASCON PH, the country's biggest SAS conference this April. But yo, you gotta hurry up because submissions close on January 26, 2024 already. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your startup to new heights. Apply now at saschallenge.ph. That's saschallenge.ph. And good luck and I'll see you guys in Impact 24. And we're back in the break. We are still with Jamie Lopez, who again told us how he was able to then go back and learn the hard ropes again, coming fish out of water, going back from the States back here. But now, you're now inching closer to the main business, which is entertainment, because after EDC, you did Sky. Okay, and again, Sky is the, again, I grew up on Sky Cable, so thank you. My childhood is better because I can watch really good cartoons because of Sky Cable. But also, cable is an old business. Yeah, It's something that probably one of the first hit when digital came through. And when you came in, in the late 2010s, mm-hmm. that we were right in the middle. The Netflix were here, the HBOs yep. were here, YouTube on-demand video was here. What was that like and what are the things you did in Sky during this time? Yeah, so when I finally made the move over to, I've always wanted, I knew when I, went, when I came home that I wanted to work in ABS. I okay. think that was always going to be one of the goals, right? So I always knew that EDC or the, uh, the power side would be a transition, right? Helped me acclimatize to the Philippines, um, helped me get situated here, and then also get me involved with the family to some extent, right? But, you know, moving to Sky was already, you know, one step closer to, to working in ABS, right? So when, when I got to Sky, exactly, that was basically the, the environment at the time, right? Um, KB, cable TV subs were dropping. People uh, in most first world countries were already, you know, they had the term cord cutting. A ton of cord cutting was happening all over the world. Mm-hmm. Slowly coming to the Philippines, right? Because we still had... You know, a lot of people who didn't have cable TV, who, been, who couldn't afford cable TV. But as yep. our middle class grew, you know, more and more people wanted access to cable TV because um, it was, you know, access to more content uh, at the time. And internet prices back then were just really, really high, right? We're, they're, so much, they're so much better now. They're so much more affordable now. Better plans, better everything now. But, but back then, it was really still predominantly uh, uh, free to air and, and cable TV for, for content consumption on, on your TV, right? Mm-hmm. So 
I worked uh, in Skybiz, which was their um, B2B Enterprise. arm. Mm -hmm. um, so our, our goal was to, oh no, I started in customer engineering in Skybiz, which again was like another fish out of water for me because I didn't know anything about the cable business, nor did I know <laughs> about the B2B side, right? So a lot of it was, you know, learning Nanaman about how do I quickly learn as much as I can, you know, and then I didn't have a team per se in EDC. I mean, I, I oversaw maybe like six or eight people in EDC, but when I moved to Sky, I oversaw like 20. So again, it was, it was jumping to more people, uh, more, more uh, direct reports and all that stuff. Um, I quickly learned, but, you know, I realized quite quickly that, you know, it, it wasn't really going to, I really didn't want to be there um, as much as, as much fun as it was, you know, like the people in Sky were young, you know, they're fun to be with, you know, we went out a lot. We did all the social things. That was that was tremendous amount of fun. Yep. But, you know, I mean, I think that, you know, after the customer engineering stuff, once I finally figured that out, I moved into project management. Mm -hmm. um, and I did a lot of project management in, in Equinix as well as in um, EDC. Mm -hmm. So I created or we created, we made a decision to create a project management office, which I eventually led. Wow. Uh, we, I put together and then brought that practice into sky got it um and then the first or like the one of the biggest projects that we did was that we we decided that we needed to change all of our back-end systems so that Ooh, was a project tough that, yeah okay. that was a that was a behemoth of a freaking project wow you know? so we 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 went through all of that so i i spent pretty much my entire time in sky uh working through that you know coming up with the new processes end-to-end -end ordered cash mm -hmm coming up with a new billing system, coming up with everything, the new customer service, everything. So blah, 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 all that stuff, right? I mean, it's, it's a ton of work. Um, mm. But, you know, that in of itself was also a lot of learning, right? I had never led a project of that magnitude before. I've been involved with projects of that magnitude, but never led mm. one. Um, okay. So it was also, again, taking on more, learning more, um, mm putting myself out there a little more, being uncomfortable in a, in a situation, um, not knowing 100% if I could do it, but being far enough out there that I knew I would learn a lot, but not yeah. being too far out there that, you know, I would just cripple me or it would, um, it would discourage me. Right. So, you know, that was, that, that was my time in sky. I think it was about four and a half years also, about wow. four or five years as well. Now I'm curious about, um, always the, 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 the biggest elephant in the room when you're doing big moves like that. It's buy-in from the old guard because there are a lot of incumbents in there that is like, you know what? If it ain't broke, don't fix it, Jamie. What yep. are we doing yep. here? All right. yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, that's the hardest thing to do because they're going to say that, wow, but look at us. We are growing at this place. Oh, 10% <laughs> year on year. Oh, why do we have to change it? Uh, but you, you see the writings on the wall that eventually this will be passe and you're going to have to metamorphosize before it's too late. How did you get buy-in? Yeah, 100%. I mean, that was, that was probably, you know, did they the, speak exact like words, the exact <laughs> words, uh, minus the accent, but the exact okay. words. <laughs> I mean, that was a conversation in many, many, many uh, Mancom meetings and many mm. board meetings for that matter. It was, you know, Sky hadn't changed its backend systems basically since since inception, right? Oh, wow. and, and I don't think anybody really wanted to take it on because one, it's such a huge project, mm -hmm. and two, it costs a lot of money, right? So 
that's a lot of accountability to put on somebody's shoulders, a lot of accountability for anybody who even suggests it, right? right? But the writing, exactly like you're saying, the writing's on the wall. I mean, you can't do digital with analog systems. You can't do digital uh, promos, programs. We can't offer new plans. You can't be nimble. You can't go to market quickly. There's a lot of you can't if you don't fix the back end. If you don't fix the old processes, you're you're dead in the water uh, if when times are changing as quickly as they are today, right? So a lot of the stuff that we weren't able to do and we weren't able to um, report on or even get data and insights from was because of the old processes and the old systems. But because we took that on and we were, were working through all of that, we're able now to move much, much faster. We're able to get better insights from our consumers. We're, we're able to do so much more in a much better manner and be mm. a hell of a lot more efficient nice. um, than we were in the past, right? And then mm. I think, you know, with digital or with any tech, it, it's got to be, you've got to be more efficient, right? I mean, that, that's what all the automation brings. It's that, you know, it's not... You know, people are normally uh, opposed to automation uh, and all of that yeah. because they, they equate it to loss of job or loss yes, of function. my goodness. <laughs> no, but, um, you know, the, the argument there, the ar- argument I always say there is that, yeah, your, your job is not going away. Your job is evolving, right? Oh, your yeah. function is going to change, but your function is not going to get lost. We're not going to let go of people. We're going to change what they do, right? Correct. And evolve them. And if we don't evolve them, at the end of the day, if we don't evolve, right? Exactly. So, you know, it's, it's one or the other. We got to be our own instruments of change and our own disruptors at some times. And, you know, mm-hmm. I think in Sky, it, it, came, it came to head where we really had to do it. But yeah, tough conversations, lots of spreadsheets, uh, lots of PowerPoints to, to, to get it through. But um, eventually we bit the bullet and did it. And I'm pretty sure a lot of the sales training that you had early on came in handy when it comes to persistence and repetitive lobbying yeah. to yeah. do this. Right? <laughs> you're not going to get it in one sitting for sure. Oh, no, no. Not as many conversations to get that through. <laughs> right. Okay. Now, let's, let's also talk about that same uh, thing because August 2020, after what happened, we all know what happened. I'm not going to delve in. ABS-CBN, the, the parent company, is now thrust into the situation where you know, you're, the main avenue to distribute content is disabled at the moment. And you have this Herculean job to go digital fast and efficient. Right? And you've done, exa- you know, you, you've done amazing uh, uh, setups already that before this happened, you've invested in the likes of Kumu. Yeah. Which again is a big boon now. So doing Big Brother on Kumu, biggest thing. So now you don't have to tune in; it's on demand. You know, yeah. everything is is set. So there are really great moves you you guys have done prior to this. But what was it like when all of a sudden this had to be the only way? Because there's block timing, yes, for the old guard also. Yeah. But you know, all of a sudden you have to go digital. How did you do that? Yeah, you know, so. Back in 2020, sounds so long ago already. Exactly. <laughs> like what? <laughs> like last year long now. <laughs> exactly. So much has happened since then that it feels so I long know. ago. Right. Right? But yeah, back back in 2020, yeah, it was it was devastating at first, mm-hmm. right? Um, it was it was completely devastating and it was completely demoralizing, and it was really tough, you know. And you know, once we fell, you know, obviously, and then we we had to rally, but you know, it, it's 
like I would tell my wife that you know what the shift to digital was inevitable. We 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 had been planning it and we've been thinking about it for quite some time. Um, what happened to us last year just forced our hand to do it a hell of a lot faster uh, than we had wanted to, right? And and obviously you want to be able to slowly push these changes through your organization so nobody gets left behind. But obviously in this in this situation we were we were forced to, right? And we didn't have a choice. But it it's also a blessing sometimes when you when you make a pivot. Um, I think it was my father who said, you know, when you make a change or you're going from one ship to another ship, if you don't burn the boats or you don't burn the life rafts, right. then everybody's people will always want to stay on the boat or stay on the exactly. other side and stay, stay behind, right? It'd be so much harder to bring people forward if there is an alternate avenue or if everything still exists in the, in the past, mm-hmm. right? So in this situation, that really wasn't the case. Um, there was, we had a hell of a lot more buy-in from all the different LOBs within the company that, hey, wow. digital is the way to go. This is our avenue now. Um, it just so happened that we were lucky enough that this, all of this happened at a time when, you know, internet penetration is at what it's level now. I think we're at 70 something percent already. Yeah. You know, so if we weren't, and if this was 20 years ago, you know, I mean, it would be a completely different situation now. And we'd be talking about things completely differently, right? But where we are today and where the, where the proliferation of online is and e-commerce and Netflixes of the world and YouTubes of the world, you know, we have all these channels available to us mm-hmm. and we're just now leveraging um, the relationships we've had with them. We created relationships with YouTube for many years, but it only began to skyrocket in the last year or so. Yeah. Right. Um, we're putting a hell of a, we're putting a ton of content on Netflix. We have a ton of right. content all over YouTube and Facebook for that matter. I want TFC has grown um, tremendously. Um, we're launching new way of viewing and experiencing I want um, in this month, later this month. Wow. So, I mean, hopefully that goes well. Obviously, it's going to be a change. I'm sure some people will complain and say they like the old way better. But, you know, if you're not moving forward, you're, you're standing still. And if you're standing still, you're actually falling behind. So yep. you always got to be moving forward. You always got to be trying different things and trying to evolve. Um, so, yeah, I thought digital is really an evolution. It's a pivot. Uh, it's a new way of doing things. And it's, like I said earlier on, when I first came on, is that, you know, it, it opens our doors and opens everybody's doors to this democratization of content, right? Right. Everybody can be a content producer now. Everybody can create their yep. own content, right? And that actually just makes the pie so much bigger. That just makes everything so much better. Yep. Um, there's just so much more around and there's just so many more opportunities. And we just have to figure out which ones are the ones we want to put bets behind. Luckily enough, something like Kumu came around and we made a good bet with them. And, you know, I mean, who would have known or who would have thought that doing your big brother house on Kumu would have done so well last year or earlier this year when we first did it for season nine. I mean, Ron, I, would, I have to tell you is that, you know, when we did the additions before in the first eight seasons, when you people would line up at the big brother house, right. you'd get maybe a thousand additions or 1,500 editions. The first season of Kumu Online, they got 165,000 editions. What? Are you kidding me? Wow. Dude, it, was just, it was crazy, right? And there was a team of five people who had to sift through 165,000, <laughs> you know? And I said, I ah. Roland was, what, was not one of them. Okay, because that's why <laughs> he deserves sleep too. There you go. Exactly, you know? So, I mean, it, it just, but I mean, it was huge. It was just a, we, we didn't expect it, right? But it makes sense. 
it, it makes so much sense now when we look back at it and see why. Because now, it's, now everybody with a phone, a phone, a camera, can right. actually participate. They didn't have to travel. They didn't have to miss work. They didn't have to do any of that. That's amazing. Now, I, I want to find out because, again, the channel technically just changed. So you made it for before airtime was, was the, way, the way to go. Now we're selling impressions. We're selling yeah. programmatic placements. We're selling uh, baked-in uh, placements, whatever that may be. So yeah. again, you actually scale the amount of sellable media that you now have, whereas before, everything was finite through airtime because it's limited to the people catching it in the right place at the right time for the advertising. But yeah. there's also one thing that is always constant, and this is what I wanted to know. Was it still the same formula in terms of generating enough uh, you know, star quality content or star quality talent. Did it apply to digital what you guys were doing before with, you know, the old broadcast uh, IP-centered um, attack versus now where the creative economy, like what you said, everybody can be a creator and overnight they can be a, a, a viral hit. Yeah, so when it comes to content creation, I'd, I'd like to say it's a little bit of both, right? Okay. Um, our, our, our traditional way of creating content, um, like Provinciana, for example, you know, it's episodic and it's daily episodic. Yeah. Um, versus what you get a lot today from like even the Korean telenovelas. It's episodic, but it's weekly drops. Yes. Right? So there's a difference in the way that content for digital is created versus the way content for... Um, uh, traditional broadcast is created just in terms of frequency and drops, right? But as, as far as the content itself, I think the content itself holds its wa- holds water in both, right? I mean, at the end of the, day, of the day, a good story is a good story, you know, and a good cast is a good cast and great acting is great acting. So yep. it's really about the story, the acting um, and the production quality and then how you drop it on whether it's traditional or digital, um, it's really up to whichever content producer or OTT platform on, on, in terms of their strategy. But I see things happening more where things are shifting more towards you know, OTT platforms or even for us, for I want to. You see, the idea yeah. is to get people to watch daily. So you want right. them to come back every day, just like they watch TV daily. You want them to come and watch every day. So in order to do that, you've got to create content and drop it every day. Right? I don't necessarily think that, you know, you may have one or two pieces of content that you drop once a week. So there, there's, you know, anticipation for it and there's a buildup for it. But you also need stuff where they can come back on a daily basis. You want to recreate that TV viewing pattern or TV viewing behavior online. That's, yeah. that's really where you're going to start to get a lot of um, viewership, a lot of people uh, discovering other content that you have. Um, you know, so that's what YouTube does. YouTube has... Um, Last time I spoke to them was that 40 million people in the Philippines watch them daily. Wow. Right? I'm one so, of them. <laughs> yeah, I'm one of them too. I, mean, I spend a ton of time on YouTube. Yes. <laughs> and I have no idea what I'm watching. You know, I just... You yeah, it's a rabbit hole. You, you end up in these bowls and you're like, oh my God, how did I get here? Exactly. <laughs> I was just watching the Ottoman Empire and now I'm doing this like random <laughs> history uh, thingamajig. But, you know, um, it, it's, it's amazing because now we also get leverage not just on episodic drops, but one thing I've now realized, and, and there's, there's so much power, is your back catalog. Nostalgia sells. 
Yeah. You know, imagine yeah. all your old shows that, you know, people grew up on that, you know, like the Cine Escuelas, the Martiniques, all of a sudden. Yeah. I can watch all of that. The Once Upon a Times and all that stuff. Now I can watch every single thing on demand whenever I want it and binge. Yeah, that's really, that's, that was, you know, one of our, I think to this day, we just still call it our gold mine, right? It's the mm-hmm. one thing that we have, um, you know, I wouldn't say that nobody else has, but I think it's the one thing that we have that very few have. Correct. We've got 65 years of content, um, yep. thousands upon thousands of hours of, of videos and series and documentaries and old episodes of whatnot that people want to watch. And, um, you know, it's just a matter of us make, having enough time to upload it all and, and put them on, on I Want, uh, put some of them on YouTube. Um, a lot of it has to do with also, you know, we've got to fix it, you know, because of the uh, the technology in the past, maybe the lighting wasn't bad or it's grainy. So you got to digitally remaster and a lot of that isn't cheap, right? So I remember when Star Wars first came out and then they did a whole remastering of that all over again. They do yes. the digital version the of animations with animations. And then they even, um, they even released it in the theaters again, right? And tons of people watched it all over again, right? But things like that, we've got to, we've got to go back and uh, invest in that. Um, right. I think there's a lot of... Um, hidden treasures or gems that we have that we haven't really brought out yet. Right. It's only a matter of time before we get them all out there. But again, it's, it takes a lot of time to do this stuff. Amazing. Now, last question before we take our last break, what's the hard, what was the hardest part that you had to endure or enduring now through this again, massive, uh, you know, um, effort that you had to go through in making things digital, because again, in the grand scheme of things, you realize that you obviously have a treasure trove and, you have a really big, you know, um, asset base that you can capitalize. But I'm pretty sure there were a lot of things that you had to endure just to, you know, weather this very, very tough storm that you guys were in. I'd say it's we're we're still dealing with it now. No, so the hardest the hardest thing is is getting back our viewership to the way it was before. Um, so yeah, even though we're doing, you know quite well, I wouldn't say phenomenally well, but we're doing quite well in terms of getting our viewership. The, the, the main fact remains, which is kind of out, of out of our control, is that the number of people in the Philippines um, that have access to the internet or that can watch long form content on the internet is still very far in comparison to the number of people that have that you could access on free to air, right? So, you know, you think about it, it costs like a couple hundred pesos or like maybe a thousand pesos to get unlimited data to watch it. But that, that money, especially during a pandemic is going to be spent on food. It's going to be spent on other things. You know, the the necessities of people are their wallets are even smaller than they were in the past. So it's difficult for them to allocate, you know, for entertainment versus your, your necessities that are needed. Right. So barring internet access and internet consumption, We've got to find ways to reach our audiences that possibly are either offline. Um, hopefully, cinemas come back soon uh, through cinemas or through live events at some point, right? Um, but one of the but again, the struggle really is is getting that viewership there, right? And then also making sure that our clients and our advertisers also understand um, the shift in uh, behavior, right? The, from a free to air standpoint, you're right; it's airtime. You get a thirty second slot. But you go digital, it's either an impression, it's a pre-roll, it's a mid-roll, it's a branded intrusion, you know, it's a banner, it's a lower screen graphic. I mean, there's a thousand different ways 
you could do things and in digital, right? So it's it's a lot more. Um, I, I think the environment or the landscape is convoluted. There's a lot of stuff. It's it's messy and it's loud and it's noisy, right? Yeah. It's not it's not clean cut. Like I buy a thirty second slot and that's it. No. This is just so many things to do, and I'm sure you guys are you know know this just as much as we do. Is that it's hard to sell when there are so many products to sell. Yes. It's hard to convince them that this is the one that you should do. So everything, everything feels like a pilot all the time. Okay, yes. All the time. <laughs> Even though I sold it, we sold it to them last month. Yeah. Like, oh my God, we're selling <laughs> it again. Is it a pilot again? <laughs> but yeah, I totally understand, especially we are in the again, audio space try, trying to democratize that. Too. But let's take our last break and when we come back, let's now talk about, again, uh, paying it forward. I'll ask you again, advice on how to navigate through these tough waters, especially creating metamorphosis uh, across companies that need it. But let's talk about that more after the break. Hey, Hustlers, it's time to talk business once again, and we're excited to share a bit more info about our sponsors, Sprout Solutions. And again, just like what I said at the start of the episode, you should check out Sprout's Payroll Starter as you grow your own startup. Because this bundle that they have is literally what you need to take your startup to the next level as you grow your employees. And this bundle is your key to freedom, including payroll outsourcing to experts, a subscription to timekeeping and attendance software, and government compliance services. Sprout's Payroll Starter has you covered for payroll, BIR, SSS, and taxes. All the stuff that no founder loves to do. So let Sprout handle the busy work and say goodbye to lines and tax payment stress. All this for as low as 5,000 pesos. Again, that's just 5,000 pesos all in for your payroll and HR needs. So visit sprout.eh payroll-starter-monthly-5k or again, just click the link in the description box of this episode to elevate your business management game. And again, big thank you to Sprout Solutions liberating your time for what truly matters. Hey, Hustlers, wish there was an easy way to open a bank account and grow your money without the hassle of lengthy application process and income documents? Well, I got good news because today's sponsor, Uno Digital Bank, is here to help you achieve your financial goals. You can easily open an account with the Uno app in just five minutes and one valid ID. And as one of the six digital banks licensed by the Banco Central ng Filipinas, the company is committed to providing customers with simpler, better, and more accessible banking. Last year, Uno Bank was recognized by the Asia Banking and Finance Awards and bagged the title Open Banking Initiative of the Year due to the success of its partnership with Gcash, one of the Philippines' leading mobile wallet platforms. And with the Uno mobile app, you can access an hashtag UnoReady savings account and enjoy daily interest crediting. With their hashtag UnoEarn or hashtag UnoBoostTime deposit accounts, you can enjoy a high interest rate of up to 6.5% per annum. Enjoy monthly payouts with hashtag UnoEarn Earn in flexible tenors with hashtag UnoBoost. Other app features include pay bills, the Uno Virtual Debit MasterCard, life insurance, scan and pay with QRPH, and phones. And the one thing that I really love about Uno Digital Bank is they're open to collaborate with a lot of Filipino startups. I've had a chance to see the partnerships that they've had lined up with the startups that they have, and it's truly exciting to see how a digital bank like Uno can enable startups to unlock the power of fintech through digital banking. So if you're ready to elevate your banking experience, download the Uno mobile app today from the Google Play Store or App Store. Or if you want to collaborate with them, I'll be happy to give you an intro. Just shoot us an email at hello at hufflesharer.com. 
Hey Hustlers, I hope you're having a great 2024 so far. As you know, a lot of startups had a very challenging 2023 and hopefully things are going to do better this year for a lot of us. Not just because it's the year of the dragon, but also because our sponsor Dragon Pay is here to help your startups process payments in the most efficient way. Established in 2010, Dragon Pay empowers businesses of all sizes to accept and disperse payments through secure and convenient channels giving your customers the flexibility to choose the payment method that suits them best. With over 85 partner channels, 35,000 partner branches nationwide, including QRPH, e-wallets, crypto, buy now, pay later, and many more. They also process an astonishing 15 million transactions processed globally each month. Dragon Pay is your trusted choice for online payments. And here's something to show you how legit Dragon Pay is. Dragon Pay was named Fintech of the Year at last year's Philippine Fintech Festival in 2020. So let's make 2024 extra prosperous for you and your startup in this year of the Dragon. For more details, head on over to dragonpay.ph. That's dragonpay.ph. Trust the pioneer, trust Dragon Pay. And we're back from the break. We're still with Jamie Lopez, who then illustrated to us what it was like going through that. And again, I'm pretty sure you're going to be fine. And again, better days will be ahead. Uh, and we look forward to having see, see you guys in the airwaves again. I need me my teleradio because you don't even call it. Or no, DCM them, teleradio. Tele I want the DCMM back. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I just like, uh, there, there are jingles that you guys have made that are, you know, just better. And again, just hearing the old Christmas station ID. On the normal TV, okay, that would just be magical, right? But yeah. more than anything, again, obviously, I'm a kapamilya, I grew up on your shit, so that's good. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I want to know now, find out in terms of now, AB, ABS is now as MCN, right? A multi channel network, it's not just again that that's a tactic you're coming through. But what's the decision process, and again, trying to do that in audio because again for full disclosure we are working with ABS-CBN and also helping them trying to digitize their whole audio content through podcasting and podcast network Asia but what was that like and what are you most excited about our partnership you know so the whole evolution of going into digital was a pivot right so there's different executions that you can do there's different um, activations right there's the streaming um, there was uh, websites um, there was engagements back and forth with consumers through comments, right. uh, audiences, um, voting for, for artists and all that stuff, right? Mm. Podcasts and um, the audio side is just also another a new form as well, right? It right. gives people another access point, right? And, mm. you know, some people like to watch content. Um, they like video, but there's a whole slew of people and there's millions of people that like audio. I mean, that's why radio is so yes. popular. Right. I mean, sometimes you don't want to have something playing with TV and all that stuff, but you want to have a background music or background noise Correct. or, you know, audiobooks has become huge as well. So, I mean, I think that, you know, what's what's so exciting about this space, you know, and, and our partnership with, with you guys is that we get to explore and reach audiences that we had not reached in the past. Right. Yes. Because all our content was always video. We've always done video content. Yeah, I know we had radio and all that, but podcast brings a different angle to this whole thing. Right. Podcasts. Right. You know, they're so popular all over the world, right? I mean, I listen to a lot of audio books because mm. I know sometimes I want to I want to uh, listen to an audio book while I work out or while I exercise, and I can't do that while 
with a with a book, right? I mean, I get <laughs> <Yes>. busy. <laughs> you know, even if you're on a treadmill, it's it's hard to read while you're right. while you're running. So, you know, I I do a lot of audio books. I do a lot of podcasts. While and I like to hear people's opinions, right? And I think one of the great things about what 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 this offers is that you get to hear other people's perspectives. You hear about other people's stories. You get to, you know. Um, absorb you know and and just listen and learn from other people and, and that's so important i think that's one of the most important things in, in life is that you're, you're constantly learning and you're constantly um, seeing other people's perspectives and then it also changes your perspective right it changes how you interact and how you engage and 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 that's you know that's basically that human connection right whether it's through digital or through physical it's still that human connection with each other that's amazing. All right, now let's take, let's pay it forward. I have a couple of questions for you, especially for advice. Yeah. Uh, with with people that are in the same path, probably that you know, you're jumping out of water again and whatnot. But what's the advice that you guys have uh, that you have for for people who want to have that same hustle or in the cusp of wanting to take that jump? Because again, you eventually had to again leave multiple things that you had comfort and or built a reputation on, and again built that flow, and then you had to be thrust into something that you had to learn on the fly and be good at those are two different things so you can easily learn jump out fresh out of water but there was an expectation yours had a big chip on your shoulder you can't <laughs> f this up right what was your advice for people who are going through the same path hmm i don't know if i should be giving advice <laughs> <laughs> but uh um... what did you learn at least so at least they oh, don't yeah, make, I mean, make, you know, all joking mistakes. aside, I, I think, you know, don't shy away from opportunities. You know, if an opportunity presents itself, try it. Whether you think you're ready for it or not, you know, try it. The, the worst that can happen is that it, it doesn't work out so well. You, you fail. But, you know, how many people actually succeed in, in their ventures, you know, on the first time, the second time, or even the 30th time, right? I mean, yep. it's, it's, it's the process and it's the journey Right. I mean, that one sounds cliche, right? It's the journey, it's the journey, not the destination, right? So the journey will actually lead you to a destination. It may not be exactly the destination you had intended at the beginning of the journey, but it will be a destination that you have earned and that you have that you're gonna make it to and you're gonna evolve to. And it and all that learning along the way will be, you know, will be um, priceless. Right. I don't think you could you will ever be able to put a put a value, a monetary value on what you learn along the way. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, what's also just important is that you have to love your job. Mm-hmm. You have to love what not maybe not your job. You gotta love what you do. You're gonna be spending most of your time doing this. You're gonna be spending time away from your family doing this. It's gotta be something you love to do because if it's if it's not something you love to do, it's not gonna be worth it. It's not worth the sacrifice of spending time away from your family or spending time away from your friends or doing the things that you want to do right. for this if you don't love it, right? And that that passion is really important and it's not easy to find, right? I mean, a lot of people talk about it, but it's not easy to find that passion. You know, I mean, I thought it would be in tech when I came out of school and it's actually not in tech. It actually is in, you know, um, well, technically digital is some tech, right? But you know, it's more in create, I feel that my passion in ABS now is creating a connection or being able for us to connect with our audiences in many different ways, right? right? I, that's what drives me, that, that's what excites me. Uh, and that's what, you know, pushes me forward is to find different ways to create those connections with our audiences and 
finding new audiences as well, not just you know everybody we've reached in the past, but maybe there are other other people that would love our content or other people that have never had access to our content that would love it as well. That's amazing. Now, last question. Um, what was the best advice that your dad gave you in preparing you for all of this? Because or during this whole journey, because again, um, not a lot of people can understand the perspective of the weight that you have on your name. He's probably gone through that when he had to do it was passed down to him, right? And you know, there you can only do things in hindsight if you knew better. But what were those things that the, that that he gave you as, as advice that helped you out really well for your journey? Yeah, he gave me tidbits of information and uh, advice along the ways. I don't I don't think he ever really sat me down and you know, um, but that wasn't really his way, no. But okay, the, the first one was you know education is important, um, and then that he couldn't uh, he never underscored the fact that you know education is going to be what, what brings you forward. And that no matter what happens, whether the businesses are alive or they're not alive, um, your education will, in, will open opportunities for you uh, in the future, right? So one, he said, you know, take your study seriously. Um, basically put in the work, right? Yep. And if you know how to work, you'll always be able to find a job regardless of what happens, right? So that was one part of information. This, the second one was, or like one of the, other most memorable ones is, as you always told me, is that you're not, um, you're, you have to earn everything. You're not, you're not going to be given anything and don't expect people to give you anything. Wow. Right. So it's, it's, it's one of the values in the company, uh, meritocracy, right? right? So you earn everything you, you have. Right? right. And, and I think that's important for, for anybody. Mm-hmm to learn and to understand and to really, really, um, um, you know, uh, embrace is that if you want to achieve something, you want to, you want to make sure that you earn it. Right. And you've right. got to work for it. And there is no substitute, none at all for hard work. Right. You've you go. got to put in the time, right. You got to put in the time. And if you don't put in the time and it comes easily, no. more than likely it will be gone easily. Correct. Right. Because it's, it, things are fluid. Things are, the world changes so quickly uh, and that you got to learn along the way. You got to have that journey and you got to, you got to, you got to earn that shit. You know, you got to work, you got to work hard. Right? Yep. And, you know, I remember my Lolo saying at a, at a, at one of our dinners that, you know, if your competitor works 24 hours a day, then you work 25. <laughs> <laughs> work in Mars. They, yeah. that's so basically it. he said, you know, just outwork them. The, the, yeah. the one who goes at it the longest and works the hardest you know, and I read a lot of these biographies from all these, like Elon Musk, you know, from Bill Gates, from Steve Jobs, you know, from all of these guys that have made it big, you know, that they just, especially the one of Phil Knight, um, uh, Shoe Dog, yep. I just like that recently. It was a good book, you know, and it, it, when you read through it, it's just like he just stuck at it the longest. He had so many competitors along the way and they, they did well, but they would fall away because they didn't stick at it. And it, it's, it's about that grit, right. right? And sticking at it. And, you know, again, like your show, it's your hustle. Correct. And that, that's correct. And at the end of the day, when you're going to hustle, you have to be prepared to do it for a very, very long time. Because who, yeah. majority of the time, the one that actually wins is not who's the fastest, who's who actually who finishes the damn race. Yeah. Yep. You do it's it a marathon. Longest. It's not a it's sprint. A there are times you're going to have to freaking sprint. Yes. 
But whoever goes at it and does it consistently over a prolonged period of time that's adaptable wins the game. Yep, exactly. You guys have done. And that's amazing. Again, thank you very much, Jamie, for such an amazing episode. But before I let you go, if they want to reach out or again, what What's in store for you guys? ABS-CBN Digital. Are we seeing more Cardo? Or is it going to be a speed off Cardo? <laughs> and again, nostalgia. I want me to some nostalgia. What's up next for ABS-CBN Digital on? I can't comment on Cardo because I actually don't know. But I, but I hope he's there. <laughs> I hope he's there next year. You yes. know, because uh, he's, he's doing very Cardo. well. You know. But yeah, you know, we're, we're releasing a lot of more content next year. We have a lot of more stories coming out. Uh, we have a lot of partnerships that are coming. Um, we are, you know, trying to embrace our our digital evolution, uh, our yep. pivot. You know, and we're going to be working on finding new partners, new partnerships, um, finding other content producers who want to work with us. Um, and I want to I want to create our digital platform not just for ABS. I want it to be accessible to any content producer or anybody in the Philippines or all over the world who wants to put content and reach our audiences. So you know, yep. I want to be more inclusive and really and really bring it out there. I'll do my Peter Musmi uh, impression in service in the Filipino worldwide. <laughs> no, that's terrible. Sorry, Peter Musmi, if you're going to listen to this, you're still the old. I'm just a big fan of yours. But again, thanks, Jamie, for that. But uh, before I let you go, follow us on whatever podcast app you're listening to, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcast, or any major podcast app that you listen to. And we did say some jargon and be like, what the hell are these guys talking about? It's going to be in the show notes on hustleshare.com. And again, if you want to be part of our community, there's a, a Facebook community called Hustle Share Community that you can be, you can join to collaborate and talk to the other listeners of Hustle Share. Again, Jamie, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Ron. Pleasure to be here. All right. Now, I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace.